Welcome to the Kinkle Fritz and Friends podcast. If you want to hear the show, you can find it on Family Life Radio. If you want to find a station near you, you can go to myflr.org or stream it online. Well, we're thrilled to have Pete Gregg with us. He uh, co-founded the and champions the 24-7 prayer movement, which uh, is more than in half the nations on the planet now. <laughs> That's amazing, Pete. Um, you're the pastor at Mayus Road. Uh, church as well there in England, written a number of best-selling books, including Red Moon Rising, Dirty Glory. Oh, what a great title is that. <laughs> How to Pray. And new book is How to Hear God, a guide for simple uh, people, uh, for normal people, that is. And I don't, Normal people. Yeah, normal. And uh, so we need a new title because we're not that. We're weird. Um, <laughs> so I got to know, uh, you know, as far as that title goes, wh- why that title? That's interesting. Learning to hear God is the most important thing any human being can ever do. Um, it, just stop and think for a second. You know, if there is a God and there is the potential of having a relationship with him, then hearing him is the key to life, to guidance, to just everything. And Yet it gets so easily hijacked by people who are weird or wacko. <laughs> and, uh, and so I wanted to write a book. This co- the strap line is a simple guide for normal people. And I wanted it to be for two types of people. New Christians who are like, I mean, the thing is, when people have been Christians for a while, you talk about hearing God and everyone goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you try saying that to someone who isn't a Christian. I I heard the voice of God. That's the, that's that's a bad defense in a court case. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to create something for those guys, but also for Christians who've been around the block a few times, had some knocks and um are realizing this stuff is important but complicated and we've all been hurt by the abuse of god's word whether it was so-called prophets trying to manipulate political uh outcomes uh or whether it was like the, the the lady who came up to me at the end of church one day with my wife standing next to me and she looked me straight in the eyes and said god has commanded me to marry you <laughs> okay then <laughs> <laughs> so so we've all been hurt and yet we know this is important so that that's that's the rationale for the book why do you think it's so hard for us to hear from god uh, mainly because we want to be god mm. uh, which makes the room kind of crowded when he steps in mm-hmm. um unpack that know, that's an interesting statement well you know kids tend not to find it too hard to hear god but because they're naturally humble Mm. and so i think um there's that the second thing is busyness you know the scriptures say be still and know that i am god and there's something about silence one journalist said atheism is the religion of the busy and i think there's something about slowing down uh, that and and being quiet that enables to hear god um, and, and you know, the, there are some really rational answers to that, that question as well. Like, you know, generally speaking, you can't see God, and he generally doesn't speak in an audible voice. And so uh, that makes it more complicated in the way we're communicating right now. And then the final thing is we get weird about God, i.e., we forget that by definition, God created normality. 
Everything mm. we consider normal is what he designed. And yet the moment we start to talk to think about God, we think he has to be weird. He has to be spooky. He has to be strange. But by definition, if he created normality, then the primary ways that he'll communicate to us will not be strange and supernatural. They'll be natural and normal, like uh, like a Bible verse, like um, a thought that comes into my head, like even in this conversation, God speaking through two ordinary human beings talking together. So I, I think we, we get weird about God. And we don't realize that most of the ways he speaks is normal. We're too busy. We're too noisy. And it takes a certain posture of humility as well to listen to God. Mm. You know, as I uh, began to pour through your book, of course, I was attracted to the normal people because I was like, okay, (laughs) I can make through how to hear from God. But you had me at your story right off the bat of being on the train. Oh, yes. And talking about being busy, tell us that story, because you had me for one ghastly moment. I thought she wanted to talk. I was like, (laughs) oh, that's so me every time I get on a plane. (laughs) Yeah, Sally, the trouble with that story is it's true. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I've got a little bit of introvert in me. And um, Mm -hmm. so for me to get on a train plug in my eye you know my 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 buds that's heaven a bit of space and um yeah you know i I started listening to this this podcast which was uh dr caroline leaf um talking about the menopause i think or something and the woman next to me was trying to talk to me and i was like no sorry i can't hear you (laughs) and 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 it was only when (laughs) it was only when we got to the next destination i realized my earbuds weren't plugged into my phone. I didn't have Bluetooth. And therefore, I was broadcasting this podcast about the menopause to the entire carriage. And the woman opposite me was, was just trying to tell me to shut up. But we're English, so we're sort of polite about it. So, so uh, yeah, that, that, that was true. And it was a simple illustration that we have to plug in and listen to God. And a lot of things distract us. Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I mean, how often do you read a book and you find yourself all alone laughing out loud going, I've been there. I think we all have a little introvert in us, no matter what our career choice is. And so I I just was right there with you. And then your final line, two English to make a fuss. (laughs) Everybody just put up with it. Oh, that was great. You know, you had me. I was in for the whole book. (laughs) That's uh, great, Sally. (laughs) The 24-7 prayer movement, uh, as Kate mentioned earlier, that is all around the globe now. You know, people praying around the clock for more than 20 years, which is amazing. Why would you say the role of prayer is so important in our ability to hear from God? Well, it's just there's two sides to any conversation, talking and listening, right? And so in prayer, I mean, it's very simplest. It's talking to God um, and and listening to God is is the other side. It's just rude. If, if, I, if I said to you, you know, I have a great relationship with my wife, um, uh, but I don't really listen to her, you would question whether I had a good relationship with my wife. And I think it's the same 
with our relationship with God, learning to listen to him is actually more important than learning to talk to him. And um, so this book actually is the sequel. I wrote the first book was How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. And that, that, that seems to have done really, really well. It's helped a lot of people. And, uh, and so it's kind of the natural follow on to talk about this complex issue of, of, of listening to God. But yeah, we, we've been praying nonstop for 23 years now. We're in over 100 nations and we're working with everyone from the Catholics at the highest levels through to the Salvation Army. It's, it's been a wild ride. You, you know, you had some amazing stories uh, about people hearing from God and that I think that inspires, it builds our faith. It makes me think, well, if they could hear from God in that fashion or way, you told a story of a woman who's Muslim and she wanted to hear from that God, so to speak. And tell that story about what happened and how she heard from God. Yeah, you know, and the thing about this is, um, this is not uncommon. I mean, in fact, I'm going to do one better. Listen, okay. This is my phone. This is my phone right here. There you go. That's a picture of my wife. And and I'm going to pull up WhatsApp. I'm going to tell you the story I got today about a Muslim woman hearing God. So I'm not going to tell you one from the book. The listeners can buy the book. So get we get, what you're telling us, this is an inside fresh story nobody's yeah. heard yet. Oh. This is exciting. Okay, all right. Yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you the context. I pull this up. So we are incredibly privileged in our church in England that we, we have a ministry called Elam, which is working with the Iranian church. Now, the Iranian church mm. is the fastest growing church in the world. That really? is now established. Yeah. And the context, of course, is that Iran is the only caliphate. It's, you know, that thing ISIS were trying to establish. Iran is that. It is a full on, you know, Muslim theocracy. And it's not working. And so you have this vast number of people in Iran and actually the Persian speaking nations right through to Afghanistan who are turning to the Lord Jesus. And um, uh, so this ministry, which is the primary ministry serving the Iranian church, by the grace of God, it's, it's based in our church in England because they've all been tortured, put in prison and kicked out of the country. So they're, they're now they're now with us and they're doing TV you know, discipleship and all kinds of stuff. So this is, wow. this is from one of the leaders of that. Okay. And he uh, was just in Turkey at ground zero, at the earthquake. Okay. Uh, where they have a number of churches that are at the forefront of that response. And uh, he, so he just messaged me and he said this, um, uh, one lady, who is a new Christian herself, this is an Iranian woman, had a dream that two people by the name of Mahid and Sahar would come to her house the next day at 1 p.m. This is a very explicit dream. No because dreams are yes. one of the ways God speaks to us. And that when they came in her dream, she was to tell them about Jesus. At first, she didn't know what to make of the dream. And so she nearly fainted when, you guessed it, at 1 p.m., there was a knock at the door. There were two people standing there, and they said, our names are Mahid and Sahar. They then said, we have heard that you are a follower of Jesus, and we want to know about 
Jesus. And the gospel was shared. And now Machid, Sahar, and six of their friends and family have come to know Jesus. Wow. So oh, I refuse to tell you a story from the book, which was you know written a year ago. That's a story mm. from yesterday. Mm. And I just want you to know the news is bigger than Fox and CNN. God is bigger than England and America. Man. And there's a story behind the story. We have a living God who speaks. And one of the great ways that he speaks, particularly in the Middle East, in my experience, is through dreams and visions. We threw dreams out with Jung and Freud and the rise of psychoanalysis in the West. Christians, uh, even though dreams are one of the primary ways God speaks in Scripture, you just look at the birth narrative of Jesus, how many dreams there are just there. Oh, good point. Since, since Freud and Jung, we're like, oh, no, no, that's all just psychological. And actually, it may be that's something we need to rediscover a bit. That's, that's awesome. amazing, you know, just to think. And you mentioned that there are two overarching ways, and maybe this is exactly what you're talking about, that people can hear God. So I just I I'd love to to experience that just a little more deeply. Can you describe the differences between God's word and God's whisper? Yeah, that's right. So that I break the book down into those those two. And um, God's God's word is clearly first and foremost is Jesus. I know you thought I was about to say the Bible, but John 1 says that Jesus is the Logos. He is the Word incarnate. And so then secondly, uh, God's Word is, is the Bible. And the Bible, of course, as the biography of Jesus, um, helps us to understand what he's saying. Some people worship the Bible. They've got Father, Son, and Holy Bible. But actually, it, G Jesus is the one we have the relationship with through the Bible. That's different. I'm not in any way taking away from the authority of Scripture. I'm using the authority of Scripture to make this point. So this hearing God is about uh, learning the Word of God, that is Jesus Christ, building a relationship with Jesus. Reading the Bible in the light of Jesus is, is something that the theologians call the Christological hermeneutic. It just means you read the Old Testament and the epistles with Jesus' glasses on. You, 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 you understand all those tricky passages in the light of Jesus, like those genocide passages. Mm -hmm. that, that Does God commission genocide? Well, all I know is Jesus, who said, love your enemies. Mm. So I have to read those in the light of Jesus. That makes sense. So, so there's God's word in, in Christ and in Scripture and in prophecy. You know, the speaking of God's now word to people. I, I believe that God's word isn't just locked up in a book. God will never say anything that um, undermines or supersedes Scripture. It is our source of authority. But he does still speak today. I've just given you a very, very good example from my WhatsApp thread. So, so there we have Jesus, the Bible, and prophecy as God's word. Then God's whisper. Now, that is more the subconscious realm of dreams. Again, I just gave you an example of that, of conscience, um, of, of the still, small voice of God. Remember that lovely story where God isn't in the fire, he's not in the earthquake, he's in, in, in the whisper. And and so and the realm of intuition. So the book brings those together. And I tell you what, what's been interesting, Sally, is is the church has so often and tragically been divided between those who are into prophecy, 
you know, the charismatic Pentecostal side and those who are into the word, you know, the, the Bible, gospel churches, Bible church, all that. And in this book, um, I'm, you know, in a way I, I'm upsetting both sides because I'm saying to the, the people who are into, you know, the Bible, you need prophecy, you need dreams, you, you need that stuff as well. And this is how you do it. And I'm saying to the charismatics, do you know what? On the road to Emmaus, the ultimate revelation of, of God speaking wasn't Jesus walking on the road going, hey, I'm Jesus, I'm risen from the dead. He took the, the couple on the road to Emmaus through a three-hour Bible study to prove mm. that he was who he said he was. So if I said to a lot of my charismatic friends, turn up tomorrow at church and you will have the ultimate experience of the resurrected Jesus of your life. They'll all be there like ready to shake, rattle and roll, super excited. <laughs> if I then got my Bible open and it's a three hour Bible study, they'd want their money back. And yeah, <laughs> so, so we need, we need word and spirit. It, you know, it, it, it's the word and it's the whisper together. Oh, I love that. That's good. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you mentioned prophecy and I think there's a lot of skepticism uh, and hmm. maybe even mistrust of prophecy. Not only is there a lot of misuse, I, as somebody who spends way too much time on social media, I'll also tell you there's a lot of oversaturation um, of people claiming to speak prophecy. Uh, you know, two seconds into the Christian TikTok side of things, every other, I've got prophecy explaining what's happening right now. I've got prophecy. So, how in a world where so many people are claiming to be speaking, uh, you know, prophetical words, how do we discern who we listen to? Great question. The first thing I want to say is this. I wish we played that we, we applied the same rule to scripture. When people are preaching from the Bible, we are pretty confident every now and say, well, it wasn't the best sermon today, but you know, there was this good bit. But the moment people are prophesying, we expect them to have a hundred percent hit rate. So that's the first thing. <laughs> Let's be consistent here. And realize that whenever anyone says they think they're hearing from God, it's a mixed bag. And the Apostle Paul said that that would be the case. He actually said, you know, we prophesy in part, and that's why we need to discern prophecy. Uh, so that, that's the first thing. Now, the second thing is, and I, I explain this in the book, is just a really simple principle here called the ABC. And this really works. And it, it, it's based on 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Apostle Paul answering your question there about how to handle prophecy. And for them, it wasn't on TikTok, but they were in these, these meetings where everyone's prophesying and there's wacko stuff. So not that dissimilar, really, similar echo chamber. And he, he says that, that the prophecy is meant to be, you know, for strengthening, upbuilding, encouragement of the church. So this is the way I say it. And this is what I use in my own life. You know, in those moments where you're thinking, I think God might be speaking. I'm not sure. Is it me? Is it God? You know, is it too much cheese? What's going on? <laughs> and and, and I, I just use the ABC. It goes like this. A, is it affirming? Okay, is this going to build the other person up or is it going to pull them down? B, is it biblical? Now, by that, I don't mean, can I find an obscure verse in Leviticus to back this up? <laughs> I mean, is it in line with the overarching truths of the narrative of God in Scripture? And C, this is the most important one, is it Christ-like? 
Does it sound like Jesus? Does it look like Jesus? You'd be surprised, because that's pretty simple, right? Affirming biblical Christ-like. But you'd be surprised how many of those prophecies that you see on TikTok may be really interesting, but are either not affirming, they're not really in line with this, the shape of Scripture, and they're not really like the sort of thing Jesus would say or do. So that that's not a bad um, rule of thumb. Now, I must say this, though. Of course, there are prophecies in the Bible that are uh, not particularly affirming, you know, their judgment. And there is a time and a place where God will speak in very, very challenging ways. But all I say, this is a simple book, you know, for, for normal people, like start with the easy stuff, you know, <laughs> before you start trying to, you know, prophesy presidential elections and um you know all of that why don't you just start by encouraging someone in the way of jesus uh, in a way that's in line with his heart so abc that's I love good that. also uh, i wanted to jump back because th- i think this is perfect for a place to start um you talk about lectio divina uh, in the book which the first time i was introduced to that was at a women's conference and i wasn't um I was very surprised by the results. I was like, I don't think that this is. And then the way that God spoke to me, my word. Can you talk about that for somebody who's not familiar with that process? Because that could be a really good place to start too, to to really hear from God. Yeah. So earlier I, I, I talked about um, both God's word in scripture and intuition and imagination and lectio divina is really where those two come together it's about how we pray the bible so we are reading the bible not for information uh, education but for revelation and conversation that might sound obvious but it's got really profound effects first of all let's back up lectio divina is just latin it means uh, the holy reading or the sacred reading and it's a tradition uh, that goes back to the old testament it's three thousand years old at least um so often the, the old testament will talk about you know your words are like honey in my mouth well that's not the way we read that you know, sort of cerebral process that's experiential um taste and see that the lord is good um and and it lecture divina got kind of systematized uh initially in the seventh century uh and then popularized uh particularly in the monastic traditions the cistercians and the ignatians the jesuits um and they sort of put a process around it which some people find helpful which i do teach in the in in the book and it 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 kind of goes like this um first of all um uh, uh, you know lectio that's just means read just read the the verse now the key here is don't try and read a whole chapter why don't you just read one two maybe three verses but but read them and re- read them several times you're not you remember you're not trying to get information so just just sit with them and and then um move into into what's called meditatio meditation people get really worried about that being some eastern thing listen this is a judeo-christian thing to meditate on scripture 
is uh, is actually commanded in the Bible. If you're not meditating, you're not a Christian. <laughs> so we got, but the, the the question is to learn how to do it biblically. Meditate upon God's word. By the way, one of the big distinctions between Eastern religions and uh, and uh, Judeo Christian ones is that we believe in filling our minds when we meditate, not emptying our minds, and we fill them with the truth of God. So meditation is work. Okay, it's not something gets beamed down, and you just have to work to do it. It's like when you go to church and you sing that song three times through, but you don't really think about the lyrics till the third time. It's it, it's it's you're working to focus your scattered senses on God, and so uh, when you're reading the passage through several times, it's it, you're you're meditating. You're beginning to you know say, God, what are you saying in this? Now, by the way, you're coming to the scripture with faith. You're not coming at it saying, um, I wonder if God will say something to me. You're saying, I am holding in my hands, like you, you, you're shaking as you say it, the very living word of God, and he is about to speak to me. So you come to it with faith. It's incredibly exciting. The question is not, will he speak, but what will he say? Mm. So you meditate. Then what you, what, what you do is you move uh, from, from, from meditating upon Scripture to really uh, praying the Scripture. So you turn the thing that you sense God saying through those verses into a prayer. One of the keys with Lectio is uh, that you, you, you allow the Holy Spirit just to highlight a word or a phrase that might not be good exposition of the text, but something might jump out to you, and then you just begin to pray about that. Now, sometimes your prayer might just start, I don't understand this, God, help me. But often it will trigger a conversation with God. So you're using the Bible to move into conversation with God. And uh, that's, that's in the Latin, that's oratio, oration. And then finally, the fourth step in, in Lectio is, is you move from Lectio reading meditatio meditation oratio praying the word to contemplatio that's contemplation that is when you move beyond the text and even beyond using words in prayer to just enjoy god's presence and that some people say oh that sounds really difficult or really scary but let me tell you everybody does this all the time it's like when you're with a friend and you're able to walk in silence it's like um, when you um, the example I think I use in the book is is going to the movies because um, even non-Christians do this and it goes like this. OK, you start off with your Coca-Cola on one side, your popcorn on the other, and you're trying to get into the movie like it's 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 work. It's like I am at the movies watching a movie. I'm going to work to get into this. But there's an annoying person behind you with a <laughs> cell phone on and all that. But if the movie's half decent, after a while, you move from kind of me trying to get into the movie to the movie getting into me. I, I start to, like, you know, get caught up in it. I forget my Coke and my popcorn. I forget the annoying person behind me. If it's not just a good movie, but it's a great movie, I move into a contemplative state where I don't realize anymore I'm at a cinema. I don't even realize I'm watching actors on a screen. I'm so caught up in the story that um, 
that I'm transported somewhere. It's a cathartic experience. And those are the movies we come out of and say to our friends, you've got to see it. It'll change your life. It's incredible. That's proof that human beings are created for contemplation. We're created to be um, obsessed with something other than ourselves, to be focused on something other than the mirror. Uh, and I believe as a Christian, that's because we are ultimately created to be lost in wonder, love, and praise. That's Charles Wesley's phrase yeah, of who God is. So now let me just bring all of that together because some people are going, well, how do I do that? One of the keys to the meditation stage is to use your imagination, uh, I, I, to use your five senses. So say it's Jesus in the storm, in the boat, on the lake. You start to say, say to yourself, well, what am I seeing? And you think, well, I, I'm seeing the sails flapping and I'm seeing a fish flapping around on the bottom of the boat. I'm seeing the men, you know, struggling to pull in the nets. And then you think, well, what am I smelling? I, I'm smelling, oh, B.O. I'm smelling uh, men, smelly men. And I'm, <laughs> I'm smelling the dampness of the water. And what am I tasting? And, 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 and so the thing comes alive because you're reading between the lines. Mm. And it's a beautiful way of taking God's word and bringing it to life and turning it into, into prayer. And the four steps that I outlined, these are not like rungs on a ladder that you've got to do. And they're more like dance steps. After a while, you won't even think about doing them. You're just coming to the Bible less as a religious document and more as each word, each sentence is God starting a conversation, and then I get to respond. Wow, well, well, it's beautiful. Mm. You know, you kind of it's incredibly powerful. We've we've launched a um, daily devotional called Lexio three six five, and it now has quarter of a million daily users. Wow. Um, and it, it's free. Anyone listening to this can get it. Just go wherever you get your apps. Lectio is spelled L-E-C-T-I-O, Lectio 365. And uh, me and some of my friends, we every day, every morning and night, will lead you through 10 minutes of doing what I just said, mm -hmm. uh, praying the Bible. And the testimonies we get in are off the charts. You, they're just unbelievable. Doctors you know, saying the only 10 minutes I get in my busy shift, I, I do that. And, you know, just amazing, amazing. So uh, people may like to check that out. You know, uh, Pete, as we, you know, record this for our podcast, some of this, uh, people listen to it as a podcast, as on their own time, whatever they're doing. And uh, parts of it we will edit and put back on the radio to plug the podcast. And, you know, there might be somebody listening right now, um, and by the way, we're, we're in a network that's across the country. They might be in Georgia, just heading into work or whatever. What are some practical ways that someone can nurture the ability to hear from God? You know, your prayer life is at its best, not when you're praying about big things occasionally, but when you're praying about small things continually. When your day is a living conversation with God. And so uh, that's the first thing is, is um, you know, it, it's interesting. Before there was any sin or sickness or suffering in the world, we're told that Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in the cool of the evening. And that's interesting because most of us only ever pray about sin and sickness and suffering. 
right? You know, problems, people we want to see get saved, people who are unwell, you know, whatever. But they couldn't talk to Jesus about God, about any of that stuff, because there wasn't any in the world. So they must have talked to him about the weather, you know, the <laughs> giraffe, you know. And one day for every single one of us, there'll be the split second before the flat line when your resume won't mean anything. But there'll be you and God. So you better have something to talk to him about. So I, I would encourage that person driving into work in Georgia today, make today a living conversation with the God who knows you and loves you and begin to dare to imagine that he is speaking to you more than you realize. Don't kiss your brains goodbye. Use the ABC, but begin to imagine that he's speaking to you. When it comes to hearing God, this is more a matter of psychology than theology. The theology is open and shut. God speaks. But often we struggle to hear God because we are trying to hear him in ways that other people do. So work out how you've been wired. Some of us are more naturally mystical. We have a mutual friend in Chris, Chris Westhoff. She's mystical. Mm, like, yes. Even if she wasn't a follower of Jesus, she would be like super artistic, super creative. But then we'll all have other friends who are super rational. And so, you know, different people will hear God in different ways. This is about psychology, not theology, but learn God's voice. And as the years go by, you will become more familiar with it. It'll be his voice to you. Uh, so there you go. That's 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 my hot tip for the person going into work at, at Chick Fil A in Georgia today. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, you just said learn God's voice. Do we misappropriate? I mean, I, maybe there's a misconception that God is a loud talker, but uh, you know, the Bible does talk about you know that's a it's it's that still small voice. Is that generally the case? I mean. It, and I've heard it sounds like you. Is it your own voice? Not like you, Pete, talking to me. But, you know, like my own voice. Is, is, that, is that how God has spoken to you before? Or is through your own voice? Yeah, or? Most, most of the time we miss God because he's too normal for us. Wow. Uh, that's interesting. And, and um, which is actually philosophically irrational. As I said earlier, if if God made everything that's natural and normal, then why would we relegate him from the natural and the normal when it comes to hearing him? So um, I think that is true. I think God speaks to us. I mean, look, let's take an obvious example. If you're German, he's probably going to speak German to you. <laughs> right. So, so, so we already know that he speaks appropriately, contextually. And I think... Um, uh, Mostly, in my experience, he speaks quietly, mm -hmm. but he is more than able to speak loud and clear when he chooses. What doesn't work is when I try and make God speak in dramatic ways to me. He oh, interesting. unbelievably unwilling <laughs> when I'm like, I need a clear word by breakfast time tomorrow. He, you just kind of almost can see him going, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so, so, so that's why we do need to, to learn regular stillness and quietness. 
and we need to demystify this very concept of hearing God. The most um, sane and influential people the world has ever known have heard God, from Abraham Lincoln through to Martin Luther King to whoever you want to name. These people unashamedly believe that God spoke to them. But we now live in a world that if you tell them you, you hear God, they think that you're crazy. And we've just got to get it back and say, no, no, no. What's crazy is to believe that this whole universe is a fluke. It's totally meaningless. And that anyone who has any kind of spiritual experience is, is insane. We, what, what we want to learn how to do is to hear the God of the universe. And it will be personal. And look at Jesus. He People missed him because he was too ordinary. He was gentle. He rode a donkey into Jerusalem. He wasn't there in the limo coming in the other gate. He was on a smelly donkey. <laughs> the limo. And, and G- Jesus, Jesus tiptoes. I think he's going to wear hobnail boots. He tiptoes. Jesus on the Emmaus Road. I talk about this in the book. I love that. It's such a funny story. But I love that bit. They've, he's walked, he's done the three-hour Bible study with the couple on the Emmaus Road, who, by the way, are a married couple, obviously, because they're sharing a house and they invite him in together. But the artists have always depicted as two men because there's an inherent patriarchy out there. But anyway, they get to the house in Emmaus, and it says, Jesus made out he was going off somewhere else. And it was only that they invited him in and then broke bread. You know, they had a meal together and they went, Oh, it's Jesus. And by definition, Jesus had risen from the dead. Like he he had all his schedule was wide open. Like he had all the time in the world, but he made out he had somewhere else to go. And that's my experience of Jesus. He kind of tiptoes into my life incognito. He comes to me disguised as my own ordinary life. And then sometimes he'll even disappear, and it's only long after I go, oh, that was Jesus. Mm. And so it does beg the question whether he appeared to other people after his resurrection who failed to invite him in, and they missed the big one. And there is a challenge to each one of us to make a decision to invite Jesus into our homes, our lives, and our days, that we might have our whole worlds changed by his presence. Mm. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Our time has gone by so quickly. I so, so, so appreciate what you said about the focus and the, the concentration on um, him alone. Take yeah. that time. Amen. Um, I've had a personal experience with that that I'm not going to use right now, but um, my sister faced a long, long battle with addiction and... Um, after she passed away, I just had that moment. It wasn't predetermined that I was just deeply in conversation with the Lord, needing to know that she finally had reached mm-hmm. some level of peace. Mm-hmm. And he showed up. And uh, even my husband, Rocky, said, I walked into the room and he said, what is happening? And I was like, shh. And uh, most amazing thing, but it didn't happen until I had stopped myself long enough to have that conversation with him mm. block out everything else my bible wasn't in my hands but it was in my heart and in my head and uh wow you've touched me obviously mm. um oh. 
so appreciate this time. Yeah. Pete, we'll we cut had, this out. But. No, that was good. We're leaving it in, Sally. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Pete, uh, we always ask everybody that's been with us uh, a, a, a final question, and that is, what what brings you joy? <laughs> Stories like the one Sally just shared. Mm. Sally, that's, that's so extraordinary. What a gift. And thank you for sharing that, because, look, here's the thing. People who aren't Christians still go through heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Sisters get addicted. Loved ones die. And as Christians, we aren't immune from that stuff. But we have hope in this life and the next. And we have a God who said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, who created us to walk and talk with him. And that conversation which you experienced then, Sally, is the key to everything else. Well, I'm not exaggerating when I say, as I did at the start of this conversation, that the most important thing you'll ever learn to do is to hear the voice of God. And there is no life more tragic than one that never learns to hear the word of God. And so Sally, that's the most stunning example. I'm so glad that you listened in that way and that the Lord Jesus Christ by his spirit came and brought you comfort and hope. And if that doesn't bring me joy, nothing will. So thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Wow. Well, thank you for pouring your heart in and reminding us that you wrote to normal people. Uh, if yeah. people want to know more about 24-7 or uh, the other ministries you're involved in, how, how can they find out more? Just, just I don't know. Do you have Google in America? Yes. <laughs> 247prayer.com is the, is the website. Uh, I'm on all the usual tedious social media threads. The book is on Amazon and all the others. How to pray and how to hear God are there. And then that app I mentioned uh, is called Lectio 365, available from all good app retailers. And you can Google, since we know what that is, uh, Pete Gregg, G-R-E-I-G. And, uh, it's Scottish. I'm sorry. There's a, there's a sneaky eye in there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Great to meet you. Thanks for listening to the Kinkle Fritz and Friends podcast, heard on Family Life Radio. We would appreciate it so much if you could rate, review, and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. You can also find more exclusive content at myflr.org and FLR Mornings on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you support Family Life Radio, thank you.